Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome in to the Tighten Up Podcast on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. I'm Jack Gentry alongside my partner, Austin Huff. You can find us both on Twitter. I'm at Jack A. Gentry. He is at Austin Huff. We are the Tighten Up Podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter, at Tighten Up Pod. Give us a follow on Instagram, at Tighten Up Podcast. And as always, we're under the A to Z Sports umbrella, so go make sure you're following A to Z Sports on every social media platform. This is episode number 203. The, the, this show title actually comes with a meme, and it is the meme of the, uh, of the advisor speaking, whispering into the ear of President George W. Bush on 9-11. <laughs> and this one is the Mr. President. Kyle Phillips has muffed another punt of so. Oh, no. <laughs> that one Poor actually Kyle takes Phillips. us back in season. We got that so title a long time ago from Daniel F. at I am the mighty oak uh, on uh, Twitter. Uh, I am the mighty oak on Twitter. Guys, give him a follow. Daniel F., a, a true tupper. He submitted some, uh, I believe he submitted one or two so titles before in the past. Um, so thank you for that, Daniel F. Um, the, uh, this is, that, that really does give you PTSD back to last season. Um, but probably the first time we felt bad as Titans fans, uh, at least in the last couple of weeks, it is a, uh, I don't know. It's been a, it's been a strong start to the off season and Jack and I are going to, uh, kind of, uh, break down the latest, including uh, some interesting comments uh, Brian Callahan said about the draft, as well as the potential of bringing Shane Bowen back. And the reason you all tuned in today, even though we are coming a day later, apologies for that, but it comes with a gift for you. Story time with Uncle Jack, as he is going to share the story of him running into and having an extensive conversation with Brown's defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz, old friend alert. Jack is going to share that story a little bit later on. Uh, but before we get into any of it, let's first get a word from our friends at relax the back. The relax the back team sets out every day to help people in the Nashville area work better, live better and feel better. And if you're like me and you struggle with insomnia and posture issues, then trust me when I tell you that this is the place for you. They've got a variety of chairs that combat neck and back pain for those of us who are sitting up all day at work. They've also got the latest in sleep technology, such as Technogel and Tempur-Pedic pillows and mattresses to maximize your sleep every night. They're going to make sure you're waking up and feeling great and rested and refreshed every single day. So go check them out. Stop waiting. If you've got junked up sleep, if you've got a junked up back or a junked up neck, go check them out in person. Go lay on all their things in their showroom, the X chairs, the massage chairs, the Technogel mattresses, the Tempur-Pedic pillows. They've got it all, and you can try it out for free. 2020 Glen Echo Road in Nashville, Tennessee, right across the road from the Hillsborough High School and the Green Hills Regal Movie Theater, that little shopping center over close to Green Hills. If you don't live in Middle Tennessee, don't worry about it. You can check them out online at stores.relaxtheback.com slash Nashville. They've always got great deals going on over there. 
So go check them out and start feeling better today. When you go in, make sure to tell them that A to Z Sports sent you. And with that said, let's talk Titan. I hear the train a coming. It's rolling around the bend. And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when I'm sucking. What is up, Flameheads? Welcome to the Titan Up Podcast. Today is February 1st, 2024. Does that work? Does that? Am I even allowed to do that? Also, I may or may not have been saying the year wrong on every so title this season. Um, old habits die hard. You know, it is a new year, new us, new Tennessee Titans. Um, and Jack, I would be remiss if I did not start this zone without wishing you a very happy Senior Bowl week. Thank you. Wow. Thank you for saying that. Happy Senior yeah. Bowl week to you, too. And by the way, Thank I did you. notice you saying 2023 last week. I was going to bring it up, and then we dove into something. So this could have yeah. gone on for much longer than it did. Way to, way to nip this in the bud, though. That, that's, what, you know, that's what I do. That's why I try and change topics very quickly, uh, just so to not allow people the opportunity to point <laughs> out my mistakes and shortcomings. Jack, this is a uh, this is a a big week being Senior Bowl week um, because you get a lot of Senior Bowl week is like feels like pitchers and catchers reporting for baseball fans, you know, because you get like a lot of grainy videos from far away in the stands uh, of just saying, "Oh, hey, here's a rep of something," and it's like, okay, cool, thanks for that, you know. Like this is like, don't get me wrong, if you're a draft nerd. This is your, your, I don't know, Hanukkah, because there's eight crazy nights. I don't know. It, it is your, it is your chance to get this process started. You know, the road to the draft kind of starts at the Senior Bowl, and you get your first look at some of the top talent across the country. But Jack, I don't know about you, but it it just does nothing to move the needle for me personally. It's an interesting week, and A to Z Sports has a hell of a team down there, by the way, if I don't say so myself. Uh, Uncle Sam Phelan's down there doing it all um, at Senior Bowl. But it it is a weird week because it's only seniors, and sometimes the best prospects coming out happen to be juniors. Um, I would would rather them just do an upperclassman bowl, maybe rename it, to get everybody to go against each other. That way we know it's best on best. It's not just, yeah. you know, Lad McConkey versus some like Washington State cornerback that's been there for seven years or, or yeah. Joe Milton throwing to God knows who. It, you know, we can actually get something out of it if they start letting yeah. the juniors participate in it. Yeah. Why do I have to have achy knees or be diagnosed with shingles just to get an <laughs> AARP subscription? Right. We should open it up to more than just seniors for the senior bowl. Give it allow juniors. Heck, if like a Johnny Manziel like redshirt sophomore comes out, let him play in it. You know. Yeah, and the seniors these days are definitely on their own insurance plan. They're like twenty six years old. Like, right. Let, let's let's bring in some of the younger guys here and see what you got. Yeah, and with NIL and everything, these guys like the guys that are in the Senior Bowl are probably richer than most of the rookies in the NFL right now. So. <laughs> True. Yeah. Why not just open up the fields, make it a little <laughs> bit bigger, make it. You know what? Hey. I'll be the first one with this take. How about this? I think we need a senior playoff. Okay. Elaborate. I'm here. 
enough with the bowl games, okay? Bowl games are pointless, all right? Senior bowl included. Give us a senior playoff. It's time to get the best four teams made up of seniors against each other. Wow. This is a take I haven't heard before, but that's why you come to the Tight Up Podcast, because we think outside of the box, outside of the bowl, if you will. A right. senior playoff. Okay. Okay, I think that could work. Who are your quarterback? You got Sam Hartman. You got Joe yeah. Milton. Yeah. Um, um a bunch more. <laughs> like like yeah, I'm trying to I, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the seniors probably wouldn't sign up for it because, you know, of uh, the obvious injury risks and stuff. But I'd look, hey, maybe seven on seven. I think you're on to something. Yeah. Look, I'm uh Bo Nix. Bo Nix would be one of my quarterbacks. Bo Nix. Yeah, Michael uh, Penix Jr., or as we call him on this podcast, Michael Penix. Maybe Malik Willis, you throw him back in there, see if he's kind of caught up to the seniors in college. See, and that's another thing. You could make up uh, three teams of seniors and then one team of rookies that just haven't panned out. You, you know, know what? Like that, Actually, that... the more that I think about this, I think they've already got it, and it's the UFL. Oh, too soon. Uh, yeah, which also... Good on you for calling it by the correct branding. The XFL and USFL merging to become the UFL. Well, you know why? I saw destroying the 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 social media kicker. He he got a deal. Yeah, the kid from UCF who got uh like, the, the NCAA like wouldn't allow him to play because he had a YouTube channel that he had monetized, and so yeah. they viewed that as like impermissible benefits and. So he was kicked off of the UCF football team. And he I guess he's still been kicking, which, I mean, look, if you've got a niche, continue to do it. And uh, and now the UFL is going to give him a tryout for the, what, the Brahma Bowl Bulls? The uh, San Antonio, San Antonio Brahmas? Brahmas? Yeah. Yeah. So good, for him. good on know. him. Well, we're already well, off anyway, the rails early on. <laughs> there's our UFL discussion for the week. But, no, we the reason we brought up the Senior Bowl all to begin with is because of the draft. And yeah. Brian Callahan had an interesting quote with – Jared Stillman. And since most of you who listen to this podcast probably don't listen to Jared Stillman, we have the quote here for you. Um, and it was, it, 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 it's interesting because there's, there's, there's a lot of discourse as to who the Titans should take with the number seven pick, but I feel like that discourse is, um, I, I think we're all universal it, like in agreeance that it needs to be an offensive lineman. And if not an offensive lineman, then one of the top wide receivers available. Um, but Brian Callahan said on Jared Stillman, quote, I tend to lean to the position that can score touchdowns because if you play the quarterback position well, and if you are playing it right, you can negate some of the issues you have in pass protection. Now, I can hear it right now. Even though this podcast is being recorded currently and has not even gone live on the internet yet, I can still hear some of your stomachs churning and groaning. And I can hear you audibly moaning out there that, oh gosh, are you kidding me? You're not going to do anything to address this offensive line issue with that number seven pick? I hear you. But look back to the Cincinnati Bengals over the last two, maybe even three years, you could argue. And how bad, dare I say, porous their offensive line has been. You know, we've been inundated with our own offensive line issues for the last couple of seasons here in Tennessee. So we probably haven't had a chance to take a look at other teams. But we do know firsthand in that playoff game, 
Titans got it to Joe Burrow nine times in the game. That was nine a bad offensive line. Times. And yet that that nine times, nine times. Look at Jack dropping the Ferris Bueller references. Uh, the, this is that team went on to the Super Bowl. Imagine your quarterback getting sacked nine times in a playoff game and still going to the Super Bowl. And granted, you could argue that their offensive line was the reason they did not end up winning a Super Bowl, but you could also argue that's Aaron Aaron Donald just being a menace uh, to society, no matter who he's facing. But Quentin Spain and that crew uh, on the Bengals' front line did not do well. However, they still went to the Super Bowl. Let, let, that should not be lost on anyone. And I think Brian Callahan is basically saying, like, yeah, we've had bad offensive lines in Cincinnati the last few years, and I know ways – around that i know ways to scheme against that unlike tim kelly and especially todd downing were unable to do brian callahan's like look if you can just get weapons and you can get playmakers you can get the ball out to them quickly and and i know i'm kind of rambling here jack but the uh the bank i mean the chiefs just on sunday they obviously have a really good offensive line um so they didn't necessarily need to do this but you saw a lot of quick throws from patrick mahomes on sunday uh, getting the ball into their playmakers' hands. Isaiah Pacheco was lined up on the outside, catching like you know screen screen passes or or, or quick throws. Um, uh, you saw uh, um, Rasheed Rice, uh, a, a number of their guys. Uh, Travis Kelsey. I mean, he had like a million catches in that game, all because they were just getting the ball out quickly to them. And I think that's one of the reasons how you limit the uh, a pass rush when your offensive line is not any good. But Jack, what, what was your initial reaction to seeing those comments from Brian Callahan? You know, I was, I was surprised because the last few years we haven't had a head coach here who really dives into those conversations. And I was listening to the Stillman interview in the car at the time, and it was something he easily could have dodged and dipped out of and tiptoed around. But Jared kind of caught it was it was it was a pretty good job by Jared Stillman because he kind of caught him in the middle of it and he said look I already know where you're going it's a different situation here than it was in Cincinnati when it was between Jamar Chase and Panay Sewell by the way both great players all pro caliber players couldn't have gone wrong with either of them but it's it's interesting that he views the wide receiver position as kind of a tie break and to Titans fans it should be exciting that he believes he can mask some of the deficiencies up front on the offensive line, something that it didn't feel like the Titans were able to do under Tim Kelly last season. It felt like the Titans' offensive line issues dictated every single play call in every single scenario. Well, when you add a guy like Jamar Chase or you draft a guy like T. Higgins the same year you draft Joe Burrow, then you can get the ball out on quick throws, on screens. On, you know, you can use you know double moves down the sideline with guys like Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and hit teams deep as well. You can just do so many more things that helped the quarterback and Callahan. Remember, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, how he's, you know, he sat down with Peyton Manning that year in Denver and really learned about every single possible blitz a team could throw at him. Peyton Manning made him learn that stuff. And he's since armored Joe Burrow with all of that information. So Joe Burrow, who's had bad offensive lines throughout his career and Jake Browning steps in out of nowhere behind a bad offensive line comes in and dominates. I mean, really Jake Browning led the NFL in completion percentage. So, for that to have happened, and then for him to now say the same thing here, I'm starting to think maybe wide receiver in, in, in the first round at seven, if the offensive tackle is equally like it is a tiebreaker. It feels like he is saying, you know what, tiebreaker goes to the guy who can get the ball into the end zone. Like having a great line is fantastic, but having yeah. Jamar Chase, woo, I mean, that does a lot for you. That helps you on third downs. It helps you in the goal line, in between the twenties. 
So it's cool that he went into that topic and then gave an answer like that. And for Titans fans that, you know, and I fall into this category, that were set on them drafting a wide or a left tackle, you know, either Alt or Shanu at seventh overall, I think it, it, it has to make you reevaluate the situation. So, so say you go wide receiver in the first round. You, you take either, you, you know, Malik Neighbors or maybe it's Romeo Dunze from Washington, or we'll see how, you know, some of these guys rise and fall as the combine and senior bowl get going. You take one of those guys at seven, and then you circle back early second round, and perhaps, you know, Mims from Georgia's waiting for, the, for you, or Morgan from Arizona, or Patanu from Washington, or, you know, Guyton from OU, or Patrick Paul from Houston. You know, there's a lot of tackle. It's a great year to need both of those guys in the draft. So if he wants to go wide receiver early, I think that'll be exciting. You know, it's no guarantee, obviously. We just, you know, we've kind of been firsthand witnesses to the Traylon Burke situation, but. I think it's a cool mindset he has, it, you know, and even if he does go left tackle and the offensive line still isn't good, I, I trust him to be able to work around that issue. Like the Titans just never were able to work around that last year. Like we wanted him to yeah. let Will Levis loose. You remember how many times we said, you know, let Levis cook and, you know, forget the, he doesn't need to be on, on training wheels anymore. Like yeah. I feel like all of that was caused because Tim Kelly didn't have an answer yeah. for really terrible offensive line play. Where it seems like Brian Callahan, you know, and having his dad as an offensive line coach probably helps this a little bit. Might know how to fix some of those things with just what to do with the quarterback, how to move him, where to get him to look, what type of throws. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it, it's 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 a weird feeling as Titans fans. We're like, I, like, and I think like Titans fans, like we don't know how to feel about this because we've never had an offensive minded head coach not named Ken. So it it's weird to like have like a guy that like legitimately knows what he's doing uh, to say these things because like we're I think we're just so like we're wired to be skeptical. We're wired to be like, well, that's not going to work. You know, oh, gosh, you know, like, oh, this is going to fail. This is, you know, they're not solving one problem. And it's not that Brian Callahan's not saying he's not going to solve the problem. It's It's that he's saying like there's other ways to fix this. You know, there's, um, you know, look, like I've got, I've, I've got busted pipes in my, in my house right now. Okay. And Brian Callahan's coming in and saying, well, what happens if we, uh, maybe we don't put in an entirely new pipe. What if we reroute route the water to another area of the house, like to where we don't even have to use this pipe essentially. Like that's what he's saying. And it feels weird, and it, it I I don't know like uncomfortable, but I feel like until Brian Callahan proves that he doesn't or like shows firsthand that he doesn't know what he's doing, I think we're gonna have to just ride the course. Like if he if he if the Titans end up going with a wide receiver in the first pick, hell, the first two picks, and they don't address that offensive line, you know, with a with a top pick in the draft, which I I don't think they'll do that. But if they do, I mean, like, look, it's like kind of like. It, it, you got to trust the process on this one. And that's, that's kind of been my mindset thus far through this entire coaching search. And now that they've got a coach in place and now he's hiring his staff and everything, I'm kind of just like, wait and see, you know, like yeah. we can get all up in arms now without knowing if, or whether it will work or not. So something else that came out of that too. And, you know, Peter Skaronsky a big wild card. Because the Titans sucked so bad at left tackle last year, whether it was Duncan or Dillard or whoever they put in there, 
Yeah. Everyone was saying, well, why can't, you know, Skaronsky was an All-American left tackle in college. Why can't they just throw him out there? Like, it's better than what we got. Well, Brian Callahan was very high on Skaronsky coming out of the draft. And he said this on, on the game as well. He said that he believes that Skaronsky is best fit at left guard. But they're, they're going to try everything. They're, they're going to look at everything. And that's what you should do. And if Skaronsky does work at left tackle, well, that helps you know, a different problem. I don't think it will. I think that he's best suited for guard. And a lot of, you know, people who know way more about offensive line play than me uh, share that sentiment. But, look, it's it's exciting. And it, the offensive line, fixing the offensive line, the offensive line issues, that's unavoidable. Like, that's going to happen in free agency and in the draft. It, yeah. You know, what we what remains to be seen is, Will they sign a right tackle in free agency? Will they sign a right guard? Are they going to spend money in free agency on a left tackle? That's kind of a risky game, and there aren't a lot of great left tackle options available in free agency this year. So probably patch that hole in the draft, go spend money at right tackle, and then you worry about the receiver position. Do you bring T. Higgins? Do you draft a guy like Malik Neighbors who hopefully slips to you at seven? Like The, the possibilities on offense, I, I believe the offense is closer to getting fixed than it appears on the surface. And Brian Callahan's the guy to do it. I, you know, we now we just have to wait to see who he hires as offensive coordinator. Uh, yeah. Defensive coordinator is a big hire as well, and I know we'll talk about that here in a second. Well, and it is a, we are far removed from the days of Arthur Smith when you know it wasn't a choice between pass catcher or offensive line uh, because Arthur Smith would just make his uh, offensive line pass catcher. <laughs> yeah. Dennis and, Kelly, Quessenberry, yeah. right. Uh, the number of uh, touchdown passes, Taylor Lewan, uh touchdown passes we saw from uh, offensive linemen when Arthur Smith was that coach is honestly is wild. Uh, you would almost think like Arthur Smith played offensive line in the league. Um, but uh, speaking of Arthur Smith, got a brand new job in Pittsburgh. Good for him. I, I, yeah, good for him. Good for the Steelers. Uh, my my cousin, uh, who's done you know done some court bouts work with me in the past. Um, He's a massive Steelers fan, lives in Pittsburgh, and uh, I texted him right after, and I was like, dude, hell of a hire. Like, you you guys got a good one. I'm actually kind of a little bit jealous that you got Arthur Smith as an OC. Uh, Arthur Smith as a head coach, I think it's, we talked about this last week. Like, he's like the Jim Schwartz. There's a tease for the story coming up a little bit later. Uh, he's the Jim Schwartz uh, theory of, like, great as a coordinator, probably not great as a head coach. Um, so to h- him get that shot in Pittsburgh – I, I really like it, and I think that – and then he was like, well, are you sure? Because everyone in Pittsburgh saying that it's a terrible yeah, hire. But and I've seen that from national people. Like it, the, the narrative the narrative is just based off of what have you done for me lately. And in exactly. Atlanta, he didn't do great. He didn't do well. And look, I think that's just a matter of like it, – it's a totally different ball game when you're the offensive coordinator and the head coach all in once, which is why I'm kind of a little worried about Brian Callahan also calling plays. But – um, but it, it, that, that, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of job to do as both the head, head man and the offensive coordinator. And I think it was just too much for Arthur Smith, the guy getting his first time job. And, um, I, I think if he, with the things he'll be able to do with the weapons that they have in, in Pittsburgh, I think they're going to be, I think their offense is going to be bounced back in a major way. I mean, not, it's not saying much bouncing back from a Matt Canada led offense, but <laughs> Yeah, I just hope that they find a quarterback to help Art out down there. You know, he hitched his wagon to Desmond Ritter, and that was a that was unfortunate because the Falcons' rushing attack was fantastic. Like, I think they were the second most efficient rushing offense in the league, and 
he turned Cordero Patterson into Derrick Henry Jr. <laughs> like, yeah. he was able to do a lot of good things. And, you know, a lot of people say he didn't get the ball in his playmaker's hands. I, I guess I'll listen to that argument, but it is a little prisoner prisoner of the moment syndrome going on about I mean, that hire. And, because and he made Ryan like, Tannehill. He, he helped Ryan Tannehill. That, that's one the of thing. the best, most efficient quarterbacks in football. Yeah, his best two years uh, of What's football. respect came on that man, Arthur Smith. Yeah, and I know uh, I'd love a lot, to have a lot of back. people say, "Oh, well, it's easy because he had AJ Brown and Derrick Henry." First of all, he had AJ Brown early, AJ Brown before AJ Brown was AJ Brown. In fact, you could argue that Arthur Smith helped make AJ Brown AJ Brown, uh, and then Derrick Henry rushing for two thousand yards. Yeah, under his offense, you know, Derrick Henry doesn't rush for two thousand yards not in Arthur Smith's offense. <laughs> so like to, to discredit Arthur Smith based off of the talent that he had around him, at what point are you going to say, well, the coach also helped make that talent? Um, I don't know. I, I, I good for Arthur Smith. I'm excited for him in Pittsburgh, even though I hate the Steelers. And um, I hope that uh, I, I would like to see him do well there, even though I despise them, but um, I think he good will. on him. And then a, another quick note before we uh, talk about another potential coordinator in Tennessee, Ben Johnson, staying in Detroit. Wow. Um, what? This is – apparently he turned – or he, called, he notified both the commanders and the Seahawks that he will be staying in Detroit. Uh, and the word on the street – this is all speculation, but the word on the street is, according to sources from the Washington Post, that he is wanting to win a Super Bowl. Oh, gosh. Poor <laughs> Think commanders. About Think about that. He's like, look, I don't want to be the head coach with your franchise because I want to win a Super Bowl. Basically saying, like, I can't win a Super Bowl. Even if I am the man in control of your organization, <laughs> I can't win a Super Bowl there. I'm going to stay here as the lesser in command in Detroit and take that job. And, I mean, look, to his credit, like, maybe he's seeing, like, the Arthur Smith where you go to Atlanta with a roster that's, you know, maybe not as great or or at least doesn't have that quarterback and thinking, I don't want to be gone in three years if I don't have success there. So, instead, I'm going to stay with this. And Detroit does have a really good thing rolling right now. Um, he's probably just thinking, I'm going to stay in Detroit and try and win a Super Bowl because that would mean and, and be two. loved and and continue yeah. to build my reputation you know I, that Washington job so attractive on paper because of the money they have to spend and these hires in the front office that they've made over the last year yeah but I think that young coaches that don't have a proven track record of winning are going to stay away from that job because it'll likely take them two years to yeah. get their sea legs under them and right. by the time two years have passed well now you've got a narrative now you've got a narrative in the NFL, and it's a losing narrative. And yeah. I understand it's the commanders, but if you're if you're a losing coach, you're a losing coach. You are what your record says you are, as Bill Parcells said. And that's unfair, having to go fix a situation like Washington. But I think it's going to take an established veteran presence, like a Pete Carroll, like maybe a Dan Quinn, like a Mike Rabel type, that isn't, a, isn't as afraid of that job because of the winning that they've done in their past. You know, yeah. like Pete Carroll's been to a Super Bowl. Rabel's been to an AFC championship game. Dan Quinn's been to a Super Bowl right. and choked his guts out. But I think it's more attractive to coaches who don't have as much to lose anymore, if yeah. that makes sense. They've already got their legacies written for them. Yeah, like it, it, even if they take a job it, late, like nobody's going to be like think differently of them. It's not going to define them, their first four right. years in Washington. 
Speaking of coordinators that uh, could potentially be back, you know, it's funny. Whenever a new coaching change comes into a franchise, the coaches that are currently employed by the staff, when the head coach, let's go, like the Shane Bowens, the Tim Kellys, uh, when a Mike Vrabel gets let go, they're kind of put in this purgatory of like, do I still have a job? I don't know because they do have to be retained by the new head coach that is hired. And uh, we found out this past weekend that Tim Kelly has been let go. Um, it's a shame, you know, is uh, going to miss scoring 17 points every Sunday. Um, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That was mean. Actually, no, it wasn't mean. Uh, no, he had, it's, it, it wasn't. he had 18 games to prove himself and, and, showed to be worse in a lot of areas than than Todd Downing was. So the second I, half I, utility was absolutely unacceptable. They blew yeah. five five halftime leads last year because nothing yeah. got going in the second half. That's when you make and, your adjustments. That's when you're supposed to figure it out. Right, right. And um really this it's like uh breathed fear into no one uh in the NFL whenever the Titans offense took the field. Uh, knew that it was probably going to be a three and out and Jack. But with that, with Tim Kelly being, you know, officially let go, Shane Bowen still kind of in that purgatory right now. They, yeah. uh, Brian Callahan said he is looking for a defensive coordinator and they are Titans are conducting interviews for DC, but uh, looking for a coordinator that gave them fits when he was running offense, uh, or at least when he was the offensive coordinator in Cincinnati, um, which I'm not sure how to feel about that. You know, I really like the idea of them considering bringing Shane Bowen back. And when you have a first-time play caller on offense, for me, as, as the team that I'm a fan of, I don't want to have a, also a, you know, a first-time play caller on defense. That just feels like, and I know the Titans want to get back to where they were pretty quickly here. That just feels like it'll take a couple, couple years. And you remember when Shane Bowen initially took over as D.C. in Tennessee? That first year, it felt like that they were having to think through a lot of stuff. They weren't really able to play with instincts. Kind of took them a second to be where they needed yeah. to be. Figure, it took them a year, year and a half to figure out. But once they did, it clicked, man. And another, you know, another reason, and I don't want to have to start over and have, you know, these guys, and they're going to keep some of these guys on defense, hopefully, you know, Aziz, Big Jeff, Landry, uh, McCreary, maybe Sean Murphy, Bunting. We'll see what they do at edge rusher safety and that other linebacker spot, and, you know, they'll have to find a corner as well. But I, I just think that after what Shane Bowen's done in Tennessee, which I think has been very respectable, by the way, he kept them in games last year. That defense kept them in games last year that they had no business playing in. Yeah. Yeah. They had no yeah. business. I mean, they when you only score when you only score 17 points a game, the fact that you can reel off what five wins, six wins, uh yeah, the fact that they can uh, reel off five, six wins with uh, an offense that's only scoring 17 points, that's just a testament to the defense. Honestly, uh that is uh, so, like, when I, I, I saw this news that, like, we could run it back with Shane Bowen, uh, I'm going to be honest, Jack. I was I was a personif I was a personified Larry David Jeff. Like, I was the um, Alonzo Mourning on the end of the bench just looking back and forth being like, well, huh? Well, I don't know. I mean, like, maybe. Ooh, I don't know. Uh, well, sure. Okay. 
<laughs> that was that was me audibleizing uh, a, a gif on <laughs> on this podcast. Uh, but that that's that's exactly how I was because I was like, do like I like I I think you made a great point. Like it's like yeah, it's like it with so much turnover and change. It would be nice in one area of the team, especially one that kind of struggled last year a little bit, at least struggled in terms uh, than they had in in the previous five years before that. It'd be nice to have some stability there, uh, but is that the stability we want? Could you improve? Could you get someone better than Shane Bowen? I, that I don't know. It's It kind of goes along the same lines of, we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago too. You know, Brian Callahan, we're talking about the free agents the Titans could bring down from Cincinnati. And I mentioned Shadobe Awuzie, the cornerback. And, you know, who knows the cornerbacks better than Brian Callahan? You know, the guys he's trying to beat every single day in practice with his wide receivers. Well, it kind of goes along the same lines, right? Who knows a good defensive scheme better than an offensive genius? And Brian Callahan, three times the Bengals have played the Titans since Callahan was up there. And they never scored more than 20 points against them. They averaged 14 points a game. This year they beat them 27-3 to with Burrow. So if this is one of the defenses that Callahan believes is the toughest to figure out, let's roll with him. Let's bring him back, man. And you're only going to add talent on the defensive side of the football this offseason. You're only going to get better. Like that personnel grouping last year, especially in the secondary, that didn't work. It's not going to work. It wouldn't work anywhere, no matter what defensive coordinator you have. But when you bring in a little extra talent, when you keep the same you know, philosophies that Bowen's instilled on this defense since he got here, I think that there's high hopes that this, is, you know, this defense could return to its top 10 form that we'd gotten so used to when they had everybody at their disposal. So I, I, I just am, I'm a fan of the idea of bringing Bowen back. Yeah. I, 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 okay. I think you're talking me into it. I, <laughs> I haven't like, yeah, if you can, if you can bring back a core of that defense from last year, if you can resign Aziz, uh, Al Shire, if you can, Danico. Uh, Sean Murphy, uh, Sean Murphy bunting. Yeah. Danico Autry. If you can get those guys back in that defense room, then yes, bring back Shane Bowen. However, you have to make that higher before you know whether or not you're bringing those guys back. Which good kind point. of stinks. Um, good, so good point. And if you do yeah. lose, if you do want to walk away from those guys, then it's easier to change that defensive coordinator if you see fit. I, I still think Bowen can get the job done with a talented group, an untalented group. I think he's worked with both. And yeah, the defense has never been the issue here, right? Yeah. Although Aziz, uh, you know, being in the pregame huddle with his guys in San Francisco, that makes me feel a little. I don't know. I don't know. I feel a little uneasy on that one. I feel like that was uh, letting your uh, letting your girlfriend go back home over the holidays, see like all her old friends from, you know, high yeah, school. Yeah, but Aziz's, Aziz's season had been cooked for a month, and even really longer than that if you count when they got eliminated from the playoffs. Like I, I I'm fine with that. He's been around. Losing no, no, no. So I'm much. okay with him doing it. I'm okay with him doing it. My worry is he's gonna feel that taste of. Man, things are so great here. Oh, he's things not going to have a so... starting spot there, though. There was They've so got much Dre waiting. Greenlaw and Fred and... Warner. Uh, I I don't know, man. There's I think not a spot I could for see him. him. What if he What if he takes less money and says, you know, I'll take less money to go play for San Francisco? Well, he'd be go a backup, back. so he'd have to take less money. I don't think he wants that. I don't know, man. I don't know. I just feel like the way this season went for him, 
I, I feel like I don't know. I don't know. I'm, it would I, be surprising me. to see the Niners bring him back and spend even more money at the position they've already spent a ton of money. Yeah, I mean, he did I'm have a great worried. year. He did have a great year last year, and if there's anyone who could afford him, it would be the Tennessee Titans. Um, yeah. But I think he was he was a pivotal part in that defense last year for the Titans, and I I agree. He, he flies all over the field. I I I am. He's probably my number one guy on defense that I want to bring back. I agree. I think he should be a priority on defense. And then Sean Murphy bunting a very close second. I think Danico. I like Danico's a dog. Oh yeah, man. yeah. Dang it, dang it. Yeah, no, no. Danico, Danico. Dang it, dang it. And, and okay. you could even you can make a case for Danico being number one there as well. Yeah, yeah. No, you're. That's a great point. That is a great point. All right. Uh, we, no, we're gonna do that so a little later on. We already talked about that. That's we're right. gonna our our wish list for the offensive defense. Uh, coming up, but uh, it is Senior Bowl week, and uh, it is a week where we did promise that Jack is going to share his story of meeting Jim Schwartz. But before we get to that, let's first get a word from our friends at BetMGM. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code A to Z Sports and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Tennessee only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. First online real money wager only. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. For problem gambling support, call the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789. The... Wait. Back. So... Jack texted me the other day and tells me that he um <laughs> I'm 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 driving back from Nashville uh to Chicago. I was in Nashville over the weekend. Very quick trip. Celebrate Christmas with my family. Yes, we celebrated a month later than everyone else. Don't ask me why. Or we celebrated 11 months earlier than everyone else. That's yeah, for you to decide. But Jack texted me and said, <laughs> "I just talked ball." with Jim Schwartz for at least five minutes in line at Dick's. And I said, what? <laughs> like, what? Huh? This Like, you can't, like, it just completely blindsided me with that text message. Like, it's just, oh, yeah, just uh, just by happenstance. Just ran into old Jimmy at, uh, at Dick's. Jack, first of all, what happened to the point where you – one, recognize Jim Schwartz at a sporting goods store, and then two, had a conversation with him. And did you ask him to join the coaching staff with the Titans? Okay, I've got answers to all of your questions. And this wasn't just like, a, oh, hey, Jim, nice to, nice to meet you. You had a great year. All right, talk to you later. Yeah. So I was uh, the reason why I was at Dick's is I got a gift card um, for Christmas and you know I had some extra time yesterday so I went out and went to Dick's and spent the gift card and while I was heading to the checkout line there was one lady in front of me trying to return a bunch of items I believe and you know it it really put the cashier in, in a bit of a blender um, Jim Schwartz and his wife were actually in front of me with something in their shopping cart something big that they'd load into their truck later um, they were in front of me. 
I come up and, you know, the timing couldn't have been better. It couldn't have been more perfect for me. Right when I walk up, Jim Schwartz's wife says, you know, hey, I, I'm going to go look for blah, blah, blah. I forget what it was. And then that leaves me and Jim Schwartz one-on-one. And I go, I, I, I know that getting recognized in dicks is probably not something you wanted to happen today, wanted to have happen yeah. today. But are you Jim Schwartz? And he was like, yeah. I go, oh, my gosh, no way. Like, huge that's a Titan great fan. opening line by you. That's, a, that's like a meet cute in a movie. I, well, I was, I, was, I was a little nervous, I'm not going to lie. And I, I said, you know what? Nice to meet you. Congrats on a crazy year in Cleveland. You guys crushed it up there. Miss you. Wish we could get you back down here. And this was the, this was the Dixon West Nashville over off Charlotte, kind of by the, the Old Navy and, and the Rosses and, and that little shopping center. So we we get to talking, and you know he seems really cool, down to earth. I say, "What do you think about Callahan?" He's like, "Man, I really like Callahan. You know, I've I've known him since he was this big, and like puts his hand next to his waist because Bill Callahan and Jim Schwartz used to coach together a long time ago. They still coach together right. today in Cleveland." And I was like, "You know, yeah, I, everything I've heard about him sounds great. He sounds sounds like kind of an offensive genius." He goes, "Yeah, he's he's real bright." And uh, we, we got to talking, and he's just like, "You know, the Titans don't really." Well, first of all, he said, uh, I was a little shocked that they fired Rabel. And he goes, yeah, me too. That was, I go, it's pretty cutthroat. And, and he agreed. And, you know, we got to talking a little bit more and just kind of picking his brain, prodding, you know, what he thinks about this Titans team. He goes, there's just been a lot of talent down there. So it's hard to win with those. Guys. Like, there isn't a lot of guys that you can make great on that defense, on that offense. He said, they just don't have talent. He said he thinks it'll take him a couple of years, five, six win season. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I see what you're saying. And hopefully, you know, Levis can kick this and get this thing kick started and whatever. And, you know, we brought up Bill Callahan and I didn't really push him too hard because, you know, they work together in Cleveland. But I was like, yeah, yeah you know, did I you get the scoop. I, did I, is I said, Bill coming to Tennessee? I, well, I just said, I hope, I hope his dad comes with him. And, and he was like, yeah, you know, I, I've heard that's possibility. And but it didn't really go into much detail after that. But so we get to talking about kind of why Mike Vrabel's defense didn't work last year. And I don't know what it was about me, but I, I feel like there was some some common ground to be had bringing up Tier Tart. Because, you know, Tier Tart, bad apple. Right. Titans cut him in the middle of the year. That situation was weird. And, and he goes, you know, it's hard to win on defense, especially without Jeffrey Simmons healthy. And I go, yeah, you know, Tier Tart was supposed to be a big help, but. He kind of quit on the guys last year, and they had to ship him off to Houston, or they cut him, and Houston picked him up. He he tells me this. This is the this was the coolest part about it. He goes, "Yeah, man, like not a good guy." He goes, "Terrible person," and he goes, "Tier Tart's name came up in the free agency pool when and my GM talked to me about him, and he wanted him, and I said, "No, we're not bringing that type of guy in." Wow. So for Titans fans with an axe to grind against Tier Tart. I'm sure it's you're smiling justified. ear to ear right now, but because Jim Schwartz was like Tier Tart, terrible person. Wow. Now, for, Jack, for, I got to He said terrible person. Did you ask him his thoughts about Jim Harbaugh reentering the league? Because if you remember, Jim Schwartz and Jim Harbaugh, one of the most famous post game handshakes of all time. No, I didn't bring it up. Uh, <sighs> my time was called. It's actually funny because I was so I was like so deep into this conversation with Jim Schwartz. I was amazed. By the way, it looks great. Jim Schwartz looks fantastic. Prime oh, yeah. condition. Yeah. But I get up to the cash register and, you know, I have like a couple pairs of pants that I'm buying and I pay with my debit card. The whole reason I went to Dick's that day was because I had a gift card. <laughs> and, 
And so I end up spending over a hundred dollars on my debit card. And <laughs> you forgot to use the gift card because you ran into Jim Schwartz. I get in the car and I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, I can't go back in and get him to fix it now because I drive back by and Jim Schwartz is loading stuff into his truck. If I walked back in with my bag of clothes I just bought, he'd think I was a total moron. I can't, the last I, look, thing I want is for Jim Schwartz to think I'm stupid. I, I can't wait for you to go back to Dick's to use that gift card again. And I did. Mike, Mike McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did. I went back like 10 minutes later. You know, I just kind of walked around the shop. It's a nice little shopping center, but um, I just killed some time. Saw Jim Schwartz's big truck pull off, and I was like, "All right, now I gotta go. I gotta go fix this." And all right, cashier Jack, was great. You, Help me out. Did you ask Jim the most important question? Being would he would he come on the podcast? No, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, I was grateful. For, I was Jack. grateful for the five minutes. You have one job, dude. One job, man. That is that, you know, we could have had him share his thoughts about Tierra Tart, like personally yeah, I on know. this podcast. I, I know. And here's the thing about that. The conversation went so well that if I'd asked him to come on a, you know, a random guy wearing sweatpants <laughs> and glasses in a dicks, if I had ended it on a bad note and he said no, Look, that weirded Look. him out. That would have ruined the whole conversation. In the words of Bill Belichick, no days off, dude. You have to (laughs) – look, guest booking can come at any moment in time, all right? You need to be always weary, whether whether it be uh, on the phone via text message or in line at a Dick's Sporting Goods. You never know when and where that guest can pop up and those relationships can build. And that's – you need to just shoot your shot, man. So, and that's look. my mindset. It's been my mind. It's what got us Nick Westbrook-Akina. You know, it's what right. got us Mason Kinsey. Like, yeah. I, no, that, that's been, how I you, think. But Jack Jim has Schwartz. been a terrific guest booker for this podcast. Uh, and we, we just need to hone in those skills for when you are outside of work mode. You know, when you are in used gift card mode. You need to be willing to book guests then as well. I know. You know, and it's crazy. You, you should have offered up the gift card to him for coming on the podcast. Like I should have. Gift. Yeah, I should you know? That's a great idea. I could have bought it. I mean, heck, right. you, you didn't end up using it yourself anyway. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Albert Hainsworth is making you pay for podcast appearances these days. So, you know, it's <laughs> he wouldn't be the first guy. But it, it's weird. You know, I don't get nervous talking to the players or any of the coaches or any anybody in the media. But that was the first time. Since I was a rookie on radio with George Plaster at WNSR, wow. when he brought on Jeff Fisher for the first time, I was nervous. Like I was, yeah. I was, I was straight up nervous. Hey, well, that good was, on you though. Good on you for I was it takes nervous and courage to to say anything to him. So good on you, man. Uh, Jim Schwartz, he's crazy. He's a crazy man on the sideline. You know what? For that reason, you should follow Jack on Twitter at Jack A Gentry. You can follow myself on Twitter at Austin Huff. Follow the podcast at Tighten Up Pod on Twitter at Tighten Up Podcast on Instagram. Constantly sharing reels uh, on there and uh, clips from the show and just inside jokes. Uh, great way to build this tougher community like we have so far. Send us your so titles. If you got some so titles, send them to us uh, at Tighten Up Pod on Twitter or at Tighten Up Podcast on Instagram. And of course, follow A to Z Sports on all of the socials at A to Z Sports. Jack, before we get out of here, you got anything for the road on this beautiful Senior Bowl week? Seattle Seahawks, make it official, hired Mike McDonald, Baltimore's D.C. So hopefully wow. that weakens the Ravens. There we go. Yeah, Hopefully you run into him at a Dick Sporting Goods uh, this week. Um, or, uh, no, now you'll have to run into Aaron Glenn, I guess. Um, <laughs> just, boring. We'll, 
we'll see. We'll see who, who Jack runs into uh, next week at Dick's. Uh, that should be a segment. Who Jack ran into it. You should just go to Dick's every week for this podcast. I'm going to go to Dick's segment. every Tuesday at 2 o'clock. This could really interfere with our podcast we, schedule. We'd have, we've had, Jack, we've had dumber segments on this podcast before. <laughs> okay, so I'm pretty sure this would actually enhance the podcast through the off-season months that we are going through. But we appreciate all of you guys for joining us through these off-season months. Jack, do you have anything for the road? Yes, I do. What? Justice for Zabumafu. Okay. That's right. Are it was really a real lemur. It was a real lemur. But no, everyone see, says. We, okay, we got some tweets on this. There was a real lemur used, yes, but it was also paired up with a puppet lemur. There's a puppet in that show that is a lemur. I saw the clips. I understand that there was a puppet, but there was also a real lemur. Okay. All right. Yeah. Like. Okay. All right. And and by the way, you you took a pot shot at my grandmother, and and she texted. She actually listened. I didn't know she would listen. Wait. She are was, you serious? She listened. She she does. What she did. did I, rent, what did I say about your grandma? She, she did rent movies from the library <laughs> and TV shows. I grew okay. up on rented movies and TV shows from the library. I, you know, I when when you said that's what the show you grew up on, that just screamed. I like renting movies from the from the library. That is that is so funny. I I could pinpoint that from a mile away. Right, but to Jack Gentry's grandmother, I love you, and I I mean no ill will. In fact, I probably you're probably my favorite Gentry. <laughs> I love you too, grandmother. Is she a Gentry or is she is she on the yeah. wrong side? She's Gentry. Okay. Okay, then yeah, you are my favorite gentry of all the gentries I know. Uh, it goes you, then Gentry Estes, and then my co-host on the podcast. As Jack. long as I'm above Montgomery Gentry, I'll take it. <laughs> all right, we're getting out of here. Until next week, with all or with all that said, until next week. Uh, tighten, tighten up. up. They're the Tennessee Titans. They're the Tennessee Titans.